This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Who drinks Yoo-Hoo when you can have choco milk? Okay? Oh, man. Yoo-Hoo's good, though, because it's in that bottle. No, Briones knows what I'm talking about. Choco milk is what you want. That's it. Come on, man. Eight Morales. This is when Morales Morales likes to use his Mexican card when he kind of thinks it's... When he wants to. Right. <laughs> but when you sit here and, 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 and tout you over Chocomilk, I know you're not a real Latino. You're just one of those that, that, that wants to jump on our bandwagon when we need, uh, you know, when we need uh, something, you know, occasionally. But, but I don't even yeah. think you who really had milk in it, did it? I don't know. I don't think so. You who with a little yeah. rum? Rumpelstiltskin? I don't know, man. I, I feel like you, no, no. <laughs> I feel like YooHoo was a fun ha- thing to have because it sort of was like chocolate milk, but it came in a bottle. Like you ever have a bottle of Coca Cola, which is better than a can right. of Coca Cola? So, so YooHoo had water, high high fructose corn syrup, mm-hmm. whey from milk, mm-hmm. and it contained two percent, uh, less than two percent of cocoa, uh, non fat dry milk, artificial flavor. Yeah, it wasn't a lot of actual milk in there. No, no. But the bottle was fun to drink out of, and it had like one of those bottle tops that you had to pop off of it. It wasn't a screw top, so I don't know. There was a, there was a good feeling of drinking a YooHoo, but it wasn't really anything nutritional in any way. No, not by any stretch of the imagination. No so. milk, but no, milk. no, no, no YooHoo. Choco milk, man. Choco milk. Can you say choco milk? How about leche de chocolate? I mean, leche de chocolate is fine too, uh, but you know, choco milk. Pancho Pantera. Choco milk. Aha. Andale. Uh, so, anywho, man, I mean, he covered a lot of stuff there. I mean, mm. wh- where do you want to start? I think we need to start with the Rams, and I ne- specifically need to start in one place with you. Are you ready? I am very ready, and I'm glad you chose the Rams because you're right. Between the Rams, the Chargers, the Raiders, USC, and UCLA football, those five teams in particular, I know I got a lot to say about everything. So, go ahead. The Rams are the best team in the NFL. Debate me on that. I, de- I don't think you can beat me on that right now through three weeks. Well, I would have a hard time um, arguing the other side. You know, I really wanted to be high on the Raiders, but the Raiders just kind of squeaked by yesterday against mm-hmm. the Dolphins, who brought a backup quarterback cross-country. So while I'm impressed that the Raiders are 3-0, and I'm not going to try and convince you, George, that the Raiders are the best team in the NFL. Here are the other 3-0 teams, okay? You mentioned the Raiders. The Broncos are also 3-0. The okay? Broncos have beaten the Jaguars, the Giants, and they shut out the Jets 26-0. I am not going to support the Broncos as the best team in the NFL. They have played nobody, basically. Their defense right. is legit, but they have played nobody, okay? Right. Then the other 3-0 team, Carolina Panthers, Arizona Cardinals are the other two. Tell me the Rams aren't better than any of those teams. Well, here's what I will tell you, that we'll know how the Rams stack up against the Cardinals this weekend because the Cardinals are here at SoFi Stadium. When you look at the Cardinals, they had the impressive win on the road week one at the Titans. They snuck by by a point over the Vikings, who you had a chance to see yesterday beat up on Seattle. And Seattle's a team that 
I mean, I think there's a lot of people concerned about trouble. what the Seattle Seahawks are going to do. They're in trouble. Their yeah. defense stinks. And yesterday, Arizona beat the Jacksonville Jaguars with one of the most spectacular and bizarre plays that we've ever seen in NFL history. Cliff Kingsbury yards. should have been sent to the moon in a rocket ship, okay, at halftime. Yeah, I mean, listen, Matt Prater is good from the Arizona Cardinals. He's been a long-time great kicker in the NFL. But a 68-yard field goal at the end of the half, you're asking for trouble. You're uh, not. But, well, and he did, but he used to kick in Denver, dude, and, you know, Detroit, I guess, for a while, too. So in controlled environments, not at sea level against the Jacksonville Jaguars. On natural grass. Right, in humidity. Like, yeah. what are we to- Like, I would have literally punted him to the moon if I were the owner of that team at halftime. Well, they were lucky, Arizona, because it seemed like the momentum was on Jacksonville's side. Nonetheless, Arizona's 3-0. and They don't have a win like the Rams have because the Rams had the Indy win and they had the Chicago win. And right, and I you were poo-pooing that- their wins. You were well, poo-pooing I, them a little Well, bit. here's what I was saying. They don't have a super impressive win yet, whereas the Raiders had Baltimore and Pittsburgh on the road. So right, but the Baltimore one seems win. a lot better than the Pittsburgh one. And even the Baltimore one after a weekend in Detroit, you start to think, hmm. Well, this is why, this is the beauty, George, of the NFL. The beauty of the NFL is literally we think we have a grasp on who's good and who's not good. And then the following week, everything changes. So today you're asking me to debate you that the Rams are not the best team in the NFL because you say they are the best team in the they NFL. Are. Yes. Right Hands now, down. through three weeks of the NFL season, because of the win yesterday against Tampa. And by the way, this was not just some sneak by. This wasn't some kick a 66-yard field goal at the end of regulation that hits the No, they kicked the living you-know-what out of the Bucks. They the Rams yesterday destroyed the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And after that win yesterday, now, as we're, we'll see Monday Night Football tonight, and then we'll go into week four next week, the Rams, through three weeks, are the best team in the NFL. So are you willing to give Matthew Stafford any credit because you basically said, going into this week, you were like, well, you know, this is the game they brought him here for. You know, and it's only, you know, it's only the regular season, which you're right. But this is the type of game they brought him here for. Let's see what he can do. He did pretty well to me. Matthew Stafford is impressing me. This is oh, just me. Well, there you go. Now yeah. I'm sure he he will I'm sure he's listening somewhere before he goes and joins Peyton and Eli today on ESPN two. By the way, double dose of LA on Peyton and Eli today on ESPN two for Monday Night Football between the Cowboys and Seahawks. Peyton and Eli on ESPN two will have Matthew Stafford as their first guest and LeBron James as their second guest. All right, so look, here's what I'm going to say. I'm a, I'm a football critic and fan who doesn't like to necessarily buy or sell hype, especially in the preseason. My concern about Matthew Stafford was multifold. First and foremost, Ooh, wait, wait, wait. Of, I like, okay, you, you want to say that again? Multifold? It sounded I feel like that cool, was a fancy it? word for you. Yeah, it sounded good. It sounded good. There's a little dash in between the I and the F, multifold. Mm-hmm. My concerns were two, two ways. One. We've seen what Stafford has produced in Detroit, but it never amounted to wins. He's not alone. There's 11 guys on the field. There's 11 guys that play on the other side. There's coaches. There's front office. He, he was in a bad organization where he succeeded individually, statistically, but the team did not. So that was my first question about Matthew Stafford. And by the yeah. way, it's probably everybody's question. My second question was, what will Sean McVay be as a head coach and as a play caller when he has a quarterback that has – the, the career 
that should make you want to trust him as a player. My opinion was that McVay never trusted Jared Goff, yeah. and Goff played like wait, a wait, robot. Wait. Wait, I mean, he never trusted Jared Goff because he literally programmed him. He had to, like, program him, hold his hand. Um, I mean, the, the story, the Washington Post a couple of years ago, where he was literally telling him instructions and what to see at the line of scrimmage. They were running to the line of scrimmage quick so he, he can tell him what he was supposed to be seeing. Well, you can blame that on Jared Goff and say he couldn't read a defense, so McVay had to do it for him. Or you could look at it a little differently, which is the way I look at it, which is coach is a young guy getting his first head coaching job, and he wants to be in control of everything. See, now Sean McVay has a comfort factor. He's been the coach of the Rams for several years. He's won a bunch of games. He's been to a Super Bowl. And now, with armed and dangerous with a veteran quarterback, he can take a step back and say, I trust this guy. This is the guy we focused on. It's the guy we wanted. He's got the years of experience. He's seen it all. I have trust and faith in Matthew Stafford Trust and faith that he never had and was never going to have in Jared Goff. And so to me, Stafford is doing things as a, as a winner. He's, he's putting up the kinds of stats he was able to put up in Detroit as a loser, unfortunately for him. Now he's putting up these numbers, George, as a winner. And I also think the next part of it is McVay has taken it, at least the way I see it, a little bit of a hands-off approach because he has trust in Matthew Stafford. So believe me when I tell you, he is turning me from, I've got questions and I've kind of got some doubts, into I'm becoming a big-time Matthew Stafford believer. And yesterday, I mean, that was, that was one spectacular performance by the Rams. Yeah, no, it was great. And, yeah, that was a – look, you said this. You said, oh, you know, most people had questions about Matthew Stafford. No, no. Mo you said everybody or almost everybody. That's, one, that's too many people because I sat here, told you specifically – this dude can ball, okay? He just needs the right system to support him. And by system, I don't mean just football system, just an, an organization that will support him with a good coach, with good teammates on offense, with a defense that can support him. I mean, all these things. Like, these are the things he needed. So what, you know, that is one too many people when you say pretty much everybody. No, not pretty much everybody. I told you, no chance that he doesn't succeed with this organization and that coach because that coach made the dude that's in Detroit who looks very pedestrian look like a Super Bowl caliber quarterback that's why this thing to me was a no freaking brainer yeah well listen um here's what I can tell you George what Matthew Stafford has done in the first three weeks is very impressive to those of us you not being one of them those of us who questioned could this translate statistically we know what he produced in Detroit can it translate into W's and he's joined a a franchise that is accustomed to and believes that it should be winning so it's working through the first three weeks of this season but forget about the first two weeks I mean throw out Chicago and throw out Indianapolis they're meaningless right now what they did yesterday was tear apart the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and if I were a Buccaneers fan today I'd be coming up with a million different excuses as to why this may have happened. And I can give you a rundown of a bunch of them if you'd like to hear them. But that being said, um, the Rams have, I believe, convinced the football viewing public. They are, through three weeks, far and away, the best team in the NFL. We will see what happens 14 weeks from now 
and you know in early February, assuming they're in the Super Bowl at SoFi. But a lot has to happen and a lot has to go right. But what happened yesterday was super impressive. Not just Stafford, not just McVay, not just the defense, not the crowd. Throw the crowd into what happened yesterday because the crowd played a monster factor in creating a home field advantage. And I'll give you some very specific details as the afternoon goes on, George, but the crowd was a part of that victory. And to me, that's an important development. You wondered aloud if the game, because you said this is the game they brought him in for, you wondered aloud if these kind of games would be too big for him. They're not. No, they're not. Um, as a matter of fact, during the broadcast, I will tell you, George, I know you were doing an NFL broadcast yourself yesterday between Minnesota and Seattle. Troy Aikman talked about this during the Fox telecast as well yesterday. In fact, he said something, and well, I'll, I, I won't paraphrase it for you. I'll actually tell you exactly what Troy Aikman had to say. But he, he's, he was very specific in saying, oh, here it is. Um, he said this, he asked this question. When has Matthew Stafford, ever played in a regular season game this early in the season with this much interest? And Aikman was asking it rhetorically, and then he said, the answer is never. At no time in Matthew Stafford's career in Detroit, 12 years, in week three of the regular season, was America focusing in on Matthew Stafford and the Lions taking on Tom Brady and the Patriots. That didn't happen. There was never a game in his career where in the third week of the season, the whole football world was zoned in on what Matthew Stafford's team was doing. And as Aikman pointed out, he'd never been in this situation before. So let's see what he's got. And by the way, at that time of the game, when, when Aikman said that, Stafford had overthrown a couple of balls. He'd underthrown a couple of balls. He'd, he'd, he'd thrown a 150-mile-an-hour fastball at Cooper Cup that he couldn't catch. I mean, he looked a little rattled. Early. Okay, okay, listen. Let's just do this very simply, okay? Because you you're, re- you're rattling off a lot of stuff, which is great. But let's just make this very simple. Are you in or are you out? Oh, I'm, I'm 100% both feet all in. Okay. All That's in. It. That's it. That's all I needed to hear. Are you in on the Rams and Stafford or are you out? That's it. So if you're both feet easy, in. Actually. What's that? It's quite easy, actually. I mean, it's, it's a very likable team. It's a likable coach. It's a quarterback who you, who you, you should like and want to root for. I'm all in. I had questions and some doubts, but I am all in. Okay, fair enough. No more waffling, though. You're in, so you're in. Okay. We'll see. We'll see how far you go before you waffle. I feel like you're a waffler. I feel like you are a big plate of waffles. I'm more of a big plate of pancakes. Less waffling, more pancaking. Okay. Big difference. Uh, I'm sure there is. By the way, 710 ESPN is the only station giving you a chance to win a million dollars. It's not a national contest. Like, it's a legitimately we're giving you a chance, giving you a chance to win a million dollars. Listen every Monday, which is today, to play Million Dollar Mondays. Be listening around 530 today for your chance to play. It's that simple. The first person to answer our Sedano Cap trivia question correctly will win this. Not the million dollars, but will win this. Rams, Cardinals tickets for this Sunday at SoFi. Uh, you got two undefeated teams plus a chance to win. A million dollars by predicting. This is how you get a chance to win the million dollars. You predict the correct teams and final score of Super Bowl 56. It's that simple. I yeah, mean, but just to let everybody know that the Super Bowl is played between one team from the American Football Conference and another from the National Football yeah, Conference. Yeah, I'm pretty sure if they're listening to sports radio on the AM dial uh, in 2021, they're familiar with that. Somebody That's just my put guess. out a tweet, though, that last week Mason in Ireland had somebody who was uh, making their prediction, 
and he predicted in the Super Bowl that the, the Rams would beat the Buccaneers. So just putting that out there for everybody. Okay, that's fair. Uh, but I would say, you know, that is an outlier situation is what I would <laughs> I just want to remind everybody. All right, so be sure to listen around 5.30 today for your chance to call in and play. All right, so there you go. All right, coming up next, the Raiders. Are they, much like Matthew Stafford now seems for real, are the Raiders for real? Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Uh, the Raiders, though. The Raiders, man, I'll tell you this. Now, Kaplan, you're down on them a little bit after this week, even though they are 3-0. Yeah, I, I would say this. I am. I was very high on the Raiders. You win week one against Baltimore, and then the following week, Baltimore beats Kansas City. So I was, like, really, really high on the Raiders. I thought week two, the Raiders go to Pittsburgh, beat the Steelers. Week one, the Steelers had gone to Buffalo. What's happened is, is Baltimore just barely, and I mean, it took a miracle. Baltimore just barely got by Detroit, and Pittsburgh lost at home to Cincinnati. So all of a sudden, what I thought about the Raiders for the first two weeks based on who they beat and where, I'm not quite as impressed. And then for Miami to go cross-country with a backup quarterback and take the Raiders to overtime, I'm a, I'm a little less bought in on the Raiders than I was through week two. I, I mean, look, I, I tried to tell you the other day. Now, granted, it was my upset special. It did not come through. However, it, the Dolphins did cover uh, the four-point spread because I, I just felt like we do this thing in the NFL, particularly when it comes to gambling, right? But in general – where we're like, we write a team off because they've had a rough week or whatever, and we overreact. And meanwhile, the other team may be flying high, and then we overreact to that. It's literally a league of overreactions. And that's why Vegas makes so much money off the NFL, because everyone gets emotional and overreacts to stuff. So because of that, I just felt like the Dolphins were a smart bet. Uh, and Jacoby Brissett is a good quarterback. Like he's, I think he's the best backup quarterback in the league. He could be a starter in some places. He's good. Um, and he showed you he's good. He made a hell of a throw on a fourth down to Mike Gusecki that I, I thought was going to end the Raiders that day. Yeah. I mean, look, Jacoby Brissett, when you look at the numbers yesterday, George, he completed 32 passes in 49 attempts. Of course, they did go to overtime, so he had a lot of pass attempts. And the Dolphins didn't really run the ball that well other than when Jacoby Brissett was running it. But of the 32 completions that he had, it was for a grand total of 215 yards. I mean, you say that he might be the best backup quarterback in the NFL, and he might be. I'll go through an entire list if we want to. I don't think – Not really. We don't have deep, to do right. that. But yeah. my point is that he's not exactly <laughs> like somebody that everybody is trying to get in the offseason and become their starter. He is a career backup quarterback, and when called upon, he can play in the NFL. Um, I'm just uh, – here's the thing about the Raiders and the Rams. The Rams this upcoming week will take on undefeated Arizona. We'll learn more about the Rams as they move into a division game against an unbeaten team. And as for the Raiders, they'll be enjoying the home confines of SoFi Stadium when they take on the Chargers. So, listen, I know it's only Monday, and I don't mean to get ahead of ourselves because I'd still like to overreact as well. But huge, huge games coming up this week for the Rams in the division 
and for the Raiders in the division. Yeah, I, I would agree wholeheartedly. Now, here's the thing. When I watched that game, and I, I also – so I had the red zone on while I was in the booth in Minnesota, so I was able to keep an eye on the Raiders and the Rams game uh, while I was calling the game in Minnesota. So, it, you know, I got a chance to kind of peek at it, and, you know, I, I kept seeing highlights, certainly, and I watched – I watched the games back because the NFL has this thing where, you know, you can watch the game back basically in like 30 minutes where they take out all the commercials and they give you pretty much all the good stuff, all yeah. the important stuff, right? right? They build it all out for you, you know, whether it's you – know, I, I wouldn't say – it's not like just the red zone style where it's just scoring. No, they but take for out the most... all the commercials and they take out the huddles. And before you right, know it, right. a, a 60-minute football game can be viewed in all of about 25 minutes. Yeah, so you can watch you, – you can watch in about 30 minutes. So I was able to watch that stuff. And – I look at the Raiders' win differently. I think they showed a lot of resilience because Derek Carr threw that pick six to start that game, and I was just like, I mean, look, the guy who picked the Dolphins as his upset special this week and also uh, may have placed a wager on the Dolphins plus four uh, was sitting there going, all righty then, here we go. And uh, and then they were up 14-0, and I felt pretty good. But they came back, and they scored 25 unanswered. At home, and that's what you're supposed to do. Now, granted, it got a little close because it's the NFL. Of course it's close. A play here, a play there changes any football uh, game, let alone uh, a couple you know, a couple of plays here and there change an entire season for most teams. But this league is based on parity, for God's sake. So, of course, the Dolphins could go in there and compete with them um, because I would say most teams can compete with each other on any given weekend. And you mentioned the Lions and Ravens earlier and that's a perfect example of it so I, I just think the Raiders showed resiliency I'm not down on them at all I actually feel better about them being down two touchdowns and being able to still win that game well I'll be completely transparent here George I did not get a lot of time with that game um, highlights and statistics and reading the story but the eye test I wasn't around to watch that game in in its completion so uh, for me I went the opposite direction. You took Miami plus the four. I went with the Raiders minus the four. I felt like the Raiders at home against Miami with a backup quarterback, I felt like the Raiders probably could win this game by better than four points. You've just talked about the pick six in the early part of that game. You're giving another team on the road energy and life and keeping them hanging around. And so I like what you're, you're coming up with a positive perspective on, on all this, which is give them credit for being resilient. I'm going to be curious to see what happens a week from tonight when the Raiders come to SoFi and there are 70,000 people all dressed in black and silver and losing their minds for their Raiders, and they take on the Chargers, who, as you know, I am the president of the the card-carrying member of the Charger Hater Club. However, I'm, I'm willing to give credit where credit is due. They tried to lose the game yesterday. They in did. Kansas they did City, try to blow it. Yeah. But we'll get to them. Let, to save some of that because I do want to get to that on the other side. Don't don't blow your wad so early, bro. You know oh, what I'm saying? Listen, we got a three hour show here. I got a lot more. A lot more. I just like okay. to connect dots, George. That's all. all right. You know, just make sure you leave something in the holster is all I'm saying. You know, you're also, as we learned when you tried to do the 50 push-ups, you know, you don't always have the stamina you once did, you know? So. That is true. And by the way, here's the other thing. I don't want anybody showing up on October 7th at SoFi Stadium for our stadium tour thinking I'm about to kick a 66-yard field goal. No. Okay? That just, that just doesn't I happen. I mean, 40, I felt like, was a good barometer for you. 
Dude, at this point, 36 for me is 66 for Justin Tucker. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so, Lindsay, I know you've got some sassy stats. Chris Morales likes to call them sassy stats. You've got some sassy stats about the Raiders, don't you? Now, do we have some music? Can we get some sassy music? Yeah, I get some sassy music going there. Yeah, let's just say it could be anything, really. It doesn't really have to be all that specific. or particular. Dealer's choice, Alex. Yeah, feel free. Just throw anything on there. It's okay, Alex. Okay. Uh, all right, but Linz, what do you got? All right, so as we talked about in our pre-show meeting that, you know, everyone else is not privy to, this is the 13th time that the Raiders have started 3-0, and it's the first time they did it since 2002. So of all of those times they've started 3-0, they've gone to the playoffs 11 of the 12 times. In nine of those 12 seasons, they made it all the way to the AFC title game. And four of the 12 3-0 seasons ended with a trip to the Super Bowl, including two years where the Raiders won it all. Sassy stats. I like that. Those yeah, are they, sassy. Yeah. They, uh, 1990 and 2002, um, you know, they were in the AFC Championship games. Uh, those are the two most recent, I believe. And, uh, you know, the, the 2002, we know they went to the Super Bowl. So Those are impressive historical um, statistics and – it's interesting the way the numbers can be played. Obviously, this is a completely different Raiders team. It's all different players. But I love the organizational statistics. 3-0 and start. Um, when you look at the history of the organization, we make the playoffs when we get off to hot starts like this. But, again, I was not as high on the Raiders and their performance yesterday. I'll give the Dolphins a ton of credit. But I think the Raiders are the better team. And they were they were fortunate to get by in that win yesterday. All right. I mean, clearly you're not you're down on the. This feels weird because I feel like you're anti Charger and anti Raider. How I is know, that I'm even possible? Raider. I'm pro Raider, and I'm pro Ram. I'm anti Charger. Hmm. But you're down on the Raiders. Well, I'm just I'm I'm a little disappointed that when you're playing against a team that has to travel cross country and brings a backup quarterback, that you don't control the game and you almost try and get them to win the game so to speak um with all of the mistakes that had been made but i listen i like what you're selling george the resiliency of the home team because raider teams in years past they fold and they're done like they a deck beat. of cards bro right but but yesterday there was no fold hey we're two and oh we believe we've beaten quality opponents we're getting better we got a system in place now. We've got a coach that's been here for a few years, and he's going to be here for a few more. We've got a quarterback that seems to be really, really coming into the prime of his career. I mean, they didn't even have their star running back who's been out this whole time. Did you know who the running back was yesterday for the Raiders who had 111 yards? Peyton Barber? Peyton Baber. Barber, I'm sorry, yeah. I mean, this guy, I mean, he's a 6 He was with player. Washington last year. Yeah, I mean, he's not exactly what you would call a household name. He was and with Tampa even before that. He was like a first-round pick, though, at one he point. Had a, he had a nice performance yesterday. And so the Raiders got 386 yards passing from Derek Carr, 111 yards running from Barber. And, uh, and it, was a, it was a good win against a team that I just thought they could have beaten by a lot more. But, again, you start giving up pick sixes early in the game, I mean, you just got to find a way to win. And that's what the Raiders did. Yeah, I mean, listen, dude, I'm just saying. Like, I think it's one of those things where you, you know, you, you just look at the way this thing is unfolding. And, and I, I know you sit here say, oh, historical references, they shouldn't mean anything. And you're right, they, they probably shouldn't. But 
life has a weird way of working itself out like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, we always have, and the NFL specifically, for whatever reason, generally gives us these weird storylines. But sports does. Like, sports does it. Look, man, I, you know, I had a buddy who told me this, and I was like, you know, I, you, you try not to necessarily buy into some of that stuff. And I know some people roll their eyes at this, but I remember when the Lakers won the championship, a buddy of mine was telling me, dude, the Lakers are a team of destiny. LeBron's balling. AD's there. Un- the unfortunate passing of Kobe. Like, he told me this months into this, like, before the finals, but even way before the pandemic. Um, and he's like, I just, I see that's how it's going to unfold. And I'm not saying it unfolds like that every time, because clearly if it did, you know, it'd be very predictable, and that's certainly not predictable. But I just think sometimes the stars align, and I would find it very hard to believe that the Raiders aren't going to make the playoffs this year, let alone perhaps have a deep run, because the AFC is a mess right now. Well, it's a mess mostly because Kansas City's a mess. Yeah. In well, listen, words- I, we went way over the break here, and almost, mostly because I, I didn't pay attention, and that's my fault. Really? Um, you weren't so paying attention? Can, can we continue this on the other side? And also, I, I want to hear how you're going to try to poop on the Chargers today, uh, considering they had arguably the best one of the weekend. So I, I am curious to see how this works itself out. Find out how Kaplan craps on the Chargers next. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Oh, I love this song. By the way, it's funny that this song is uh, anniversaries today because my daughter, um, she loves the LeBron Space Jam movie. So she wants to watch it. It's no longer on HBO Max. So we went to try to find it and it's not there. So we just bought it on Amazon or whatever. Um, and this song featured prominently, obviously, in, um, in that movie. So it was just coincidentally uh, something I was watching or listening to earlier. And I had no idea. Uh, that that was the case because that part of the movie came on when uh, when I walked into her room. But great jam back in the day. And then it became like a stadium anthem, right, or an arena anthem. Every time you went to a game, whether it was a baseball game or a basketball game or a football game, like this song was there in the 90s. Yeah, and make no mistake, Chris is right. Uh, there may have been a cassette tape in a, a very old Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme that I might have been rocking back then. With a, uh, you know, with a second, uh, what do they call it when you, you put in a, a different car stereo? Like you take out the original one and you put in a new one. So, yeah, and there was a, there was a cassette tape, and it got flipped a couple of times because the song may have been on both sides. Yeah, I was there. I did that. Uh, yeah, man, listen. I have song... no idea what you were talking about as far as flipping cassette tapes. Really? You don't know about cassette tapes? You're not you're not. I do know that? about cassette tapes, but you're talking about, like, aftermarket car stereos and well, stuff. Well, yeah, like... aftermarket car stereo, because, you know, the, <laughs> the, the Oldsmobile Cutlass, this is going back, it may have actually had an 8-track player come standard, you know? But uh, then I got an aftermarket stereo put in that actually was cool and techno-y, and it had a cassette player in it, because that was modern technology back then. So if you had this song on one side and you had it on the other side, you could take it out and flip it and put it back in and get the same song rather than having to rewind it. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. 
I don't think you do. I don't think you understand the difference. Totally, totally, 100%. No, no. You see, rewinding was a much different animal back then versus having the numbers of the tracks on a CD. You see? There's there's some people who are getting what I'm saying right now. Do you remember rewinding? How about when you used to go to Blockbuster Video and you had to rewind it or they would charge you extra? I was always bummed out about that. Like, oh, man, I forgot to rewind it. And then they would just put it in a machine, rewind it in 30 seconds, and charge you like $2. Yeah. Come on. Do you really have to charge me for that? Yeah, they did. They had the super fast thing. Blockbuster Video was fun, though, back in those days. Um, because I feel like it was an experience to go to the store, to kind of see what was there. Maybe you wanted to see a movie, and then you're like, oh, do they have it? Did everybody rent it? You know what I mean? And if they didn't have it, it just made you more anxious to want to watch it again. You know what I mean? Like, I felt yeah. like it was like a, a like a cultural experience at the time, you know? Well, that's when we actually left our houses to get things. Yeah. You know, now you don't have to leave your house to get anything. But I Back still then. like leaving the house to get stuff. I don't buy a lot of clothes and stuff online. Like, I may buy... Like, I don't know, socks and underwear or something like that. Like, that's easy. Like, um, But, like, actual clothing that I'm going to wear out, I generally like to go to the store and try it on. Yeah. I, have, I can't remember the last time I actually went to a store and bought clothes and tried on clothes. But socks and underwear, that's an easy one. Costco, man. Easy. Yeah, or whatever. Amazon or whatever. Like that. But, an, like, Lindsay, do you like going to the actual store to try on actual clothing? Well, I mean, I used to, but then right. I got lazy and the pandemic happened. And now I just like, you know, if there's something I like, I'll order it in the size that, you know, I think I am and maybe like one other size. And then I just return what doesn't fit me. That's what I've got. Oh, see, that's my problem. Returning is just a whole different headache. I used to Well, but at Amazon, all you have to do is go to Kohl's, right? Like, I, that's what my wife told me. Really? Yeah, Amazon's super easy to return stuff, but I don't really buy a whole lot of clothes on Amazon, not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I would never. I would have a hard time returning something to a department store, you know. And now, I mean, to return something to Amazon, like, how do I do it? Do I have? You to know have how like- easy it is. You literally put it back in the same bag, and like, you go on your app, and like, you hit like a button that's like return it, and then it tells you you can either pick from like UPS or Kohl's or the Amazon store if you have one by you, and you just go there and show them your phone, and they scan it, and then you yeah, get and to you're them. good. That's it. Wow. They take your thing. You don't even have to like helpful. repack it or anything. Yeah. That's insanely helpful advice. Thank you, Lindsay Baseball. Yeah, you are the least tech savvy person for someone who has a tech startup. Yeah, it's uh, it's a software company. So, uh, and I don't know anything about the software at all. I mean, I literally don't know anything about it. You know, it's true. Like my job is to raise money and utilize relationships. And thankfully, I have somebody who's on my team that really understands the software and the yeah. coding yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. They make fun yeah. of me too, by the way. Yeah, I I get it. Um, now. Are the Chargers fans making fun of you since you said they were the worst team in football and they went in and beat the best, you know, the reigning AFC champions in their the, house? The the Charger fans, there's about five of them. Oh, stop! And they're all over me on Twitter. Um, they're just they're just destroying me on Twitter. They're so butthurt that I had the Chargers ranked at 32nd last week, and they're like, "Who takes this guy seriously?" And I'm like nobody they all kind of know that it's a joke at this point you know everybody kind of gets it i'm mr anti-charger but i will say this george i like to give credit where credit is due very impressive win you know i'm sitting here telling you that i wasn't overly impressed with the raiders and i think you've actually made a very compelling case that they've shown a lot of resiliency i know a lot of people are hitting me up on twitter right now saying that you know this they've won three straight games the raiders against teams that a year ago had 10 plus wins yeah good point um, and maybe I should be a bit more impressed with what the Raiders pulled off yesterday. But I will say this. I am impressed with the Chargers to go on the road 
in an extremely hostile environment. Kansas City is one of the best home field advantages in the entire NFL. And to find a way to pull off a win when, if you were watching this game, it looked as if the Chargers were about to clipper all over themselves yet again. Or, yeah, I mean, clipper or charger. I mean, they do it plenty themselves. There's 48 seconds to go in the game. It's a tie ball game at 24 apiece. The Chargers have the ball fourth and four at the 30-yard line. So I'll ask you, George, 24-24 game, fourth and four, 48 seconds to go. You're the head coach of the Chargers. What do you do? I mean, I don't know, probably dumping it off uh, to, like, Austin Eckler on, like, a screen pass or something. Okay. Well, for me, I mean, I think conventional wisdom, football phrase, is it's a 47-yard field goal. If you kick it and take the lead, now Patrick Mahomes has about 40-some-odd seconds and a timeout to get his team into field goal position or win the game with a touchdown or throw a pick, which he had just done in the previous possession. So on fourth and four from the 30-yard line, the Chargers decide we're going to go for it. And I'm going to give a compliment here. That is a gutsy call. I love calls like that because generally – Field goals don't win you games when you're on the road. you got to go for the kill. So it's fourth and four. What happens? The Chargers get a penalty. Oh, my goodness. Really? Like, yeah. you can't hold your position. It's fourth and four. So they back them up to fourth and nine. Now it's fourth and nine from the 35-yard line. George, what are you going to do? Um, I mean, generally, most people kick the field goal there. But I don't think you can beat the Chiefs without scoring touchdowns. Okay, if you miss the field goal, you're giving Patrick Mahomes a short field. If you make the field goal, you're still giving him the ball with a timeout with 40 seconds to go in the game. So you got to go for the win. On fourth and nine, the Chargers go for it. They get it's an incomplete pass, but they get a pass interference penalty, and they and got it, themselves back in right in scoring it, position. It sets them the up first, first and ten at the Kansas yeah. City twenty. Yeah. They get a 15-yard completion, and then on first and goal with 32 seconds remaining, they throw a touchdown pass. And I thought to myself, wow, on fourth and four with a penalty, taking it back to fourth and nine, this is where the Chargers give the game up. Guess what? They did not. So credit to the Chargers, and more specifically to Brandon Staley, for having the courage of a first-year head coach in his third game to go for it and live with the consequences if they didn't go his way. There's credit to the Chargers. That was a great win. Now the Chargers will be on the road to take on the Raiders next week at SoFi Stadium, and we'll get a really Is good Is that idea. like your long way of saying the Chargers got a good win? Like I know you said that eventually, but that took a long time for it to come out of your mouth. Did it taste like vinegar? Yeah, it doesn't feel good to say. It does not feel good to say that the Chargers got a great win. It does not. Okay, well, there it is. You said it again a second time. So I'm Hater. just going to end it on that. How about that? Let, let, Let's just end it there. Guy's That's a good hater. for you. I can't. I I, I'm fine with being a hater. I don't. I okay. don't mind that. Even if it tastes like vinegar, that's fine. Like you, you said it. They had a good win. Nobody can say otherwise that you didn't say that. So there you go. Now Look let's go that. Raiders. Let's go Raiders. This now here night. we go. All right. Coming up next, Chris called them a disgrace. Oh boy, the men of Troy. We'll get to that in a moment. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It was Melissa Joan Hart was Sabrina, and uh, she was also Clarissa, I believe, on a Disney program before. Yeah, that. Clarissa explains it all on Nickelodeon. Yeah. yeah, and the cat Salem. Uh, which was hilarious, by the way. The cat on that show he has was a fit. dry sense of humor. Well, the uh, the cat was the voice of the cat was Nick Bakai, who used to work at ESPN as kind of like a comedy writer, and he would do a lot of stuff during football season about gambling, and it was really really funny. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a fun show, and it was on TGIF. Uh, Kaplan was in a dorm room somewhere, or maybe right. even graduated and pr- trying to make the NFL at that point. So. You know what's funny, though, about this is that I have a buddy of mine, and a shout-out to my man David Lasher, who is a huge 710 fan. David Lasher was a, uh, one of the like um, guest stars and had a short run on Beverly Hills 90210, but he had a pretty solid run on Sabrina, the Teenage Witch. And I, of course, don't really know the show. So this is several years ago. Seven seasons, by the way, that show. Yeah. And I I show up at, uh, and it, you know, went on there after, I guess, in syndication or whatever. So I show up at a friend of mine's house in Beverly Hills. And this friend of mine, David Lasher, is there. And my daughters all lose their minds. They're like, oh, my God, he's on Sabrina, the the Teenage Witch. And I'm like, I, I... what do you mean? Like, what are you, what are you talking about? And, and I'm like, Lash, what's up, man? You were on this show. I know you were on 90210, dude, but Sabrina the Teenager. Oh, yeah, he played the character Josh. And I think he was on for, I mean, it's got to be, I'm going to guess, four or five seasons. Anybody know the show well enough to know? Uh, yeah, I don't that know. was her, it was like her friend slash, it wasn't Harvey. That was like her love interest. But I know who Josh was. That was like her friend's, her friend's boyfriend or love interest or whatever. Yeah. So, so David Lasher, I'm going to look him up here real quick. Hold on. L A S C H. Oh, I see. That's what I was. Uh, uh, yeah, I do. Uh, I do remember him. Yes, I do remember him on the show a little bit. Yes. Good for there him. You go. Yep. Shouting out to my boy, David dude. If Lasher. you can get on a on any show, okay. Like, let me tell you something. You know how hard that's got to be. Like, that is insane. So, uh, good for that dude. I did not remember him on 90210 though, but I do remember him on Sabrina. He was like the first gay character. On TV, he's a straight guy, but he played the gay guy on 90210. You know, so uh, that was like his. So if anybody remembers, that's that's what he played. So shout out to David Lasher. He's a huge NFL fan. He's a huge 710 fan, and uh, he's probably cruising around right now, listening and laughing that we're talking about him, shouting him out, giving him some love. Well, there you go. I mean, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, one of the shows that he was on, was uh, you know debuted today, 25 years ago. And TGIF, man. I mean, I, I my guess is they don't do that anymore. But it was such a really smart television concept, to be frank with you. TGIF? Yeah, because you had all like the like tweens and teens, you know, who were too young to still go out at that stage, like, you know, and go out like on a Friday night, were home watching all those shows. And it was like really smart marketing back then. Tell me, because we talked about this last week, we somehow got into a conversation about... with uh, Well, we TV. did Full House and Steve Urkel, uh, Family Matters. Yeah, we, okay. we did the anniversaries of those shows, yeah. Yeah, no, I was thinking more about Friends. We were saying that there was the NBC oh. old-school must-see TV, which was Friends Thursday. and Seinfeld or whatever, yes. whichever yeah. order. What Thursday, was TGIF? Yeah. I don't remember the what, what shows were on. So TGIF was Full House, mm-hmm. if okay, I recall correctly. Yeah. Um, it was Family Matters. Uh, it was Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Uh, there were some, There were a, b- a bunch of shows were, that were... 
Yeah, that, there was like a bunch of different like uh, iterations of it. Like Step by Step was one of them. Right. Like Patrick Boy Daffy Meets Show. World. Right. Boy yeah, Meets yeah. World. That was a good one. That was, yeah, I, I mean, originally show. it was like Webster, I want to say, like before it actually became TGIF. But the first version of it was Full House for sure. Uh, Full House, Family Matters. Um, and uh, and then there was a bunch of shows after that. Like Perfect Strangers started there. But then, you know, that show ran its course. Um, and yeah, then it was step by step, right? Boy Meets World, Hanging with Mr. Cooper, I think was in there too. Oh, oh yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, yeah and Cooper. Sabrina. Yeah, and Sabrina. So yeah, there there were a bunch of different shows in different spots based on how long they were on, and some shows obviously, uh, eventually, you know, that's it. They had uh, they had kind of played themselves out through conclusion, and then a new show came on. But yeah, TGIF was a really smart concept back in those days. I see my boy Lash was on Sabrina the Teenage Witch from 1999 to 2002. So I don't know how many episodes he got in. That, dude, three seasons. That's almost half the damn uh, show's existence. It's pretty, pretty awesome. Good. Yeah. Hey, USC, not so awesome. You, listen, I'm going to say this right here and, and now. Go ahead. You can't lose to Oregon State, dude, when you're USC. I don't care how good they may be in a particular season. You can't lose to them at home. Maybe I would excuse you if you're out there, out in the middle of nowhere in Corvallis, and you know you got one of those crazy fog games like the one Mark Sanchez played in or whatever. Um, like, maybe that, you know, that I can excuse a little bit. At home, at the Coliseum, and you blow the game the way you did. And look, I like Keaton Slovis. I've made a lot of excuses for that kid, but he made a lot of terrible decisions in the fourth quarter of that game. And look, I, I want to give Dante Williams credit because even though he was honest about Keaton's performance, he did say, like kind of caught himself as like, look, yes, you guys are asking me questions about Keaton's performance and I'm being honest with you. And I was honest with him about it. However, he's not the only reason we lost. Now, we we make it very simple about quarterbacks. It's not always about quarterbacks. I mean, they didn't run the ball at all. I mean, they had in the second half 12 rushes for 12 yards, for God's sake. So, I, I mean, it was a total team disaster. Um, but this USC season is over now, I think. Like, it's yeah, over, over it, now. It really is. And, and, you know, listen, we talked about this a few weeks ago when UCLA had a high and USC had a low, and now it's the same. We're kind of back to where we were. Because, look, if you take a look at Oregon State for the season thus far, the first three weeks of the season, they lost to Purdue, who's not a very good team from the Big Ten. They beat Hawaii, which is a, a very average bottom feeder yeah. of, of a mid-major conference. And they blew out Idaho, who is, you know, like a Division One AA kind of team. So they go to play USC. You're on the road at the Coliseum, and you destroy USC. And your resume is we beat Idaho and we beat Hawaii. That's your resume coming in. This is why, George, this is why I said to you last week, that USC may look back on this season and they may regret firing Clay Helton when they did. Now, we got into a whole debate last week about maybe they should have fired him before the season ever started. But to me, when you fire a head coach so early and you're so reactionary to one loss – you know, losing to Stanford happens on occasion. And it's, to me, my outside observation of the USC football program this season, they just all seem unorganized and in shambles. And and I think to your point about the season being over, four weeks in, a lot of people might feel the same way, including the players. Like, uh, this isn't yeah. going anywhere. No, I, I get it, but I, I just don't think you could have kept Clay. Like, that. I just think that for all the reasons we outlined last week, and I don't want to have to go into them again, that – just 
the the local coaches, the local kids, they didn't believe in him anymore. That's it. They realized that the jig was up, basically. That's with him. fine. That's fine. So firing him, if you don't fire him, now granted, to your point, they should have probably done it before the season, but I don't think that firing him in season was going to change anything. At least at the at the very least, you're giving Dante Williams a look and seeing, hey, maybe we catch lightning in a bottle and let's see what he's about. Worst case scenario for him, he gets let go but he's going to latch on to another good team because he's a good assistant coach. Well, me personally, I'm about the bigger picture here and not about individuals, and I am and I just feel like perhaps... But the bigger picture is also what I'm t- talking about when they can't get a kid to commit to SC because Clay is still there. I got it, but my point is you went into the season with Helton, and by firing him two weeks in and reacting the way they did to this loss against Stanford, in my opinion, it throws the entire program into shambles you know it's got assistant coaches wondering where they're going to be next year it's got well but you don't think that would have built up anyway i well listen who knows what if they would have no man come on if they if they were still if they have the same record with clay helton right now you don't think we'd be talking about firing clay right now oh no no we we would be then how does that help you well because you at least still have everybody in place and so, but got, everybody that you want to fire in place, so that means nothing. Well, to but me. let me ask you a question: What if, what if, and listen, this is all hypothetical. But what if Clay Helton would have been the head coach, and they would have beaten an Oregon State if they would have recovered? If they would have said, "Okay, look, it's, we're not dealing with everything else right. that's going on here." But we've been there, Clay Helton. You know why Clay Helton was the coach basically after that 2018 season? Because he had, not, he didn't have a lot of wins. I mean, he had enough, but he had the right wins. So that's the problem. You've already been down that path for two more seasons. Well, again, like, what are you doing? Like, I, just cut the cord, babe. Well, okay. But, but you know what? They but they should have done it. And we can. This is revisionist history at this point. They could have and should have done it earlier. But here's Agreed. What it, here's but here's what it comes down to. When you're USC, unless Oregon State is having one of those kinds of years, where a, a bottom feeder from the league gets lucky, they've got a strong senior class. They've got a, a potential NFL quarterback. You know, unless they are in that situation, USC should never, ever, ever lose at home to Oregon State. Agreed. And the last thing they should be doing, George, is getting their asses handed to them the way they did. I mean, they didn't just lose. They got destroyed. Okay. Yeah, I, We're in agreement, but... Clay wasn't solving any of this, and keeping him around wasn't doing that. But we can discuss that further if you'd like on the other side. Also, I love Dave Roberts, the manager of the Dodgers. I know you do too because you've had you've had a relationship with him forever. But I got a huge bone to pick with him.